0: Welcome to the Entrepreneurs Trust podcast, dedicated to those taking the challenging road to bring positive ideas to society. My name is Asim Ishaq. I'm an award-winning entrepreneur and inventor. I've worked with government, corporates, billionaires, and I've led startups to raise millions to commercialize their innovations. But I have seen way too many business failures. So I created the Entrepreneurs Trust to bring reality to the startup world and help protect innovators from failure. I work with entrepreneurs, coaching them to commercialize. I'm a consultant for growth and I deliver failure-beating seminars with universities and accelerators. This podcast is my way of sharing great lessons from experts and leaders that I respect for our successful entrepreneurial journey. So sit back, relax and listen in. Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Trust podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs and innovators around the world. And we talk about the reality of the entrepreneur's journey. We don't talk about how glossy or how amazing, how wonderful it is. We know that, we feel that, and that's true. We talk about what actually goes on for an entrepreneur, the ups and downs, the truth they have to face, and the way they overcome it. And now we're in the midst of COVID-19, this pandemic across the world. And this is an interesting time for entrepreneurs. So I've got with me, two amazingly intelligent entrepreneurs from Bulgaria. I have Radina and I have Peter from the amazing Hyperfold bottle uh, in Sofia. So I guess the title of this podcast is Kickstarter craziness in COVID with a flat pack bottle. What a crazy title. So Radina and I, we met a couple of years ago when I was helping EIT Kickstarter, EIT Climate Kick. And you were there at uh, a seminar and I I came in after helping at the conference. I was a moderator on a panel discussion and you showed me this amazing collapsible uh, refillable water bottle. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. And here we are, like nearly a couple of years later, and you have everything about ready to go on your Kickstarter. So firstly, well done on making it happen and getting this far. But what I really want to understand is what it takes for you both to get to this journey. So let's start off by getting an introduction to your business before you created this bottle. All right. So, uh, Rudina.
1: Yeah, thank you for having us and the invitation. Yeah, we've been uh, staying in touch since our first meeting in Dublin, right? It was the masterclass uh, about sales. Uh, yeah, how to uh, have a customer-funded business. So actually, we are starting with uh, customer funding, actually. So yeah, we, me and Peter are the co-founders of HyperFold. We joined forces together basically by applying to Climate Kick Accelerator two years ago. And yeah, we started uh, exploring the opportunity of this invention that Peter has uh, has been working a few years before that. So basically, yeah, the Origami Bottle is our first product, but there is a whole design technology behind it uh-huh. uh, that he has been exploring and uh, looking from different perspectives. And I, I have a business background, so... I joined him and we started uh, looking at different business models and how should we approach this, uh, let's say, uh, origami technology and what, what problem is it solving in what uh, fields and how we can uh, actually commercialize this invention. So yeah, we, we validated a lot of uh, things and uh, at some point uh, we wanted to implement this technology in the packaging industry, more specifically consumer-packed goods. Uh, packaging products so uh, and especially with a focus on reusability so we're speaking about reusable packaging solutions for consumer goods but uh, we found out that it's quite difficult and also resourceful and time consuming to to directly get into the packaging industry so uh, we decided that we'll be like it's better for us to be in control of what's happening and uh, so we started developing our own product that it's more of a consumer lifestyle product, developing our own brand uh, that uh, we'll get to market with it. And it's a perfect product, a very ubiquitous uh, common one that people like of all uh, ages and, li- and different lifestyles uh, would associate with. So it's perfect product for Kickstarter. So we decided to launch on Kickstarter and we'll be launching in the mid of May or the latest uh, beginning of June.
0: Fantastic.
1: (laughs) Long story short, this is it.
0: Well, I think you've made a long story long but made it very interesting. So thank you very much for that. In fact, you've covered over the whole innovation innovation diffusion curve because you started off talking about the whole invention and then the opportunities that you could address but then you really focused on on a particular aspect of that where you're going to start first and dominate that aspect and then maybe look at other areas so that's really interesting so thank you very much for that and peter you're you're the inventor of this yeah you know? uh, whereas the uh, the lady's going to make it into money so tell me about how you came up with the idea
2: uh, actually, I'm an architect, and I've been working as an architect for five years. It was like uh, 10 years ago, and uh, after that, I switched to, to product design, and uh, most of the the products I designed, there are based on geometry and uh, transformable structures. So at the time I came with the idea with the folding principle, I was exploring another uh, another transformable uh, principle, which is called uh, Kirigami. It's uh, something known. At this time, I was not aware that it's so so known. But uh, um, yeah, I explored this direction, came with uh, the foldable principle, and switched to it and started to experiment. Uh, The first three or four years, it was like a background. uh, for different uh, patterns, because it's not just uh, one pattern. It's like a system of uh, different geometrical uh, dependencies and so on. You can even make a very asymmetrical uh, pattern to be foldable and very complex and asymmetrical uh, shapes to be foldable. So uh, it's not just the bottom.
0: That's really interesting, because you're probably the the most experienced origami person i've ever spoken to in my life
2: Uh, actually i was not interested in origami at all before that so
0: but you've you've actually taken this to the next level and beyond and you're turning something that you're playing with into something that you're creating with and the next phase of your life is actually you're going to turn that into an income so it's really interesting to reflect upon that just for a moment Uh, because, you know, innovators typically go for uh, something they're really passionate about, or they see a problem, and they want to turn it into money really quickly. Yeah. You know, or they think it's going to turn into money really quickly. But you've been working on this for quite a number of years, and it's been slowly developing over time. And you haven't actually rushed it until Radina has probably got involved a couple of years ago
2: yeah that's right yeah.
0: yeah so to what extent peter has having somebody like Redina come in and you know really focus on the commercial aspects changed the way you look at the project and i deliberately ask peter, you this question peter rather than ask Redina to uh, answer this one
2: uh yeah it's, it changed a lot i mean uh, i was imagining the the commercialization in different way and uh, actually i tried to to contact some brands Mm -hmm. to license the technology and so on but um, yeah it was uh, it appeared that it's not so easy to produce it for example and yeah i was considering to leave this project but uh, after we met with redina the the project uh, started to explode and to develop much quicker Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah the the climate kick program also helped a lot we we explored many different directions together yeah how to to apply this technology and uh, yeah, from the perspective of a product designer, it's very very helpful to to work uh, with a business person because product designers usually they imagine that if they have a prototype, it's already a product, but uh, it's not like that product is. The product is also the brand, the, the whole marketing, the the whole logistics and production and so on. It's sometimes it's very easy to produce something uh, in several pieces, yeah, and it makes completely different uh, when you have to produce it like uh, hundreds of thousands pieces and millions of pieces and so on. So yeah, it's the product is not just the object; it's uh, it's much
0: more so i just want to introduce um eit climate kick just for anybody that doesn't know eit climate kick uh, that's the european institute of innovation and technology and that's the knowledge innovation community that focuses on climate change solutions so the eit is europe's largest accelerator around when you' joined by my daughter working from home She, Radina, has also got uh curly hair like you He's just going to join us and listen in. So this is the joys of working from home. We get to share conversations with people from Bulgaria while with family. Isn't that great? So EIT is really great investor and accelerator. I think it's Europe's largest accelerator for innovation.
1: or very early stage ideas.
0: Yeah. So did you come in through, which path did you come in through EIT? Uh, are you in the greenhouse, or were you in the sort of? Did you get a small amount of funding?
1: Yeah, we got a grant uh, that uh, had to be uh, consumed, used during the program, which is five, six months, I think, in total. Uh, yeah. And yeah, we jumped.
0: T- tell us what you got. You know, let's give them the credit they deserve. What, how much did they invest in you?
1: Uh, yeah, I think we got the smallest amount of money, <laughs> like 10k euros. that's
0: not the smallest the smallest is i think they have a two and a half thousand prize then they have a five and then you got ten for
1: climate i think the 10k is the smallest we jump directly into stage two okay although because there are different stages that you can apply to so if you have just an idea just the concept you can apply with this concept in stage one and then you start analyzing and looking into this idea and how to develop the business model, how to test it, uh, how to build a team. Yeah, it's necessary to be at least two people in your team. And uh, yeah, so it was uh, me and Peter and we applied to, I don't know why, I don't know why we were in stage two. In my opinion, we were supposed to be in stage one, Uh, but maybe it looked that we are more advanced than... (laughs) Uh, with our development and what we actually were and uh, yeah this year actually we are applying also to stage three um, because stage three is basically you need to have a clear business model and start making money so i think right now we are in the right time and yeah if we get accepted uh, yeah, some of the funds we can use to also better promote our Kickstarter campaign, which will be great.
0: Well, you also need to have a paying customer, I believe, for stage three yeah. as well. Yeah.
1: So, so. we'll be having, I mean, the crowd.
0: The crowd, <laughs> <On> yeah.
1: <Kickstarter.
3: laughs> we have lots
0: of customers. Redina, can I ask, what did you find when you met Peter and what have you done with the project since you've met him? I mean, did you find the, the grant funding or did Peter already know about? It? Let's start with that. Yeah,
1: uh, actually, I was... Uh, I come from marketing. I was working in the advertising industry. Then I did a Master in Innovation and Entrepreneurship in a Sada business school in Barcelona. And that's where I got hooked more into entrepreneurship and innovation. And with Peter, we met uh, after I came back to Bulgaria and we started working on other projects, also a startup uh, with two other people. It's called Wallstack. And uh, from there, he offered me to also join Hyperfold because it's easier when we have two projects like to uh, coordinate between each other Although the two startups are in a very early stage, so it's kind of uh, risky also to, to be devoted to two things.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but yeah, I was pretty impressed with the technology. We didn't know each other that much, actually, as people, as persons, as work ethics, as everything. So uh, And then at the same time, there was this uh, climatic accelerator that was exactly looking for ideas like this. So we were, okay, we have to act fast. So we did the application. Literally, I I just uh, heard his uh, thoughts and ideas about this technology. We tried to, to make it look logical and good on a piece of paper with a business plan and what problems we're solving. Because uh, I can understand concepts quite quickly and start uh, applying different business thinking in it. So we applied to this accelerator and... uh that is how we started working on on the real thing, on, on the commercializing of the collapsible technology of Hyperfold. And at okay. the same time, we started to get to know each other and uh, we we saw that we really bonded well um during this accelerator and we were getting more and more committed and like believing in what we are doing and um being very persistent uh so uh, after the accelerator like last year it was quite difficult because we were uh just uh, investing our own money and time uh, like without having any other funding uh, after the accelerator and but we survived and Last year, we closed a small amount of angel funding to to invest now in this uh, pre-production stage of the bottle. But I think, yeah, we really um, just uh, matched as people, as qualities, as values, and uh, we show that we really believe in what we are doing and we are really persistent and uh, stubborn uh and finding our way through because it's really like finding your way through with startup
0: i think and you definitely have a very complementary characteristics i mean peter much more strategic his view of of what long term what well, his view of short term is different from what your view of short term is a medium term but he is sort of focuses time and attention on on the innovation, which should take time, it, it, sometimes you can't rush these things. I think, especially if it's something that you really believe in, you want to get right. But equally, you can't continue forever to spend time thinking about a development. There's a point where somebody like you has to come in and say, "That's enough. We now need to move on. We've got enough to actually turn this into into some product that we can sell. And this is how we're going to do it. It might not be the right way, but it, it's enough of a way. I mean, you've probably um. had." Peter talked about some of the problems he had in commercialising in the product. How have you dealt with the same situations?
1: Uh, you mean me, or?
0: Yeah, yeah, we do, uh, Regina, I mean...
1: Yeah, I, it's not like I, I've been through this process. I mean, we approach uh, everything together, we learn on the go, mm-hmm. because we have this design technology, but it should work with some materials, so we got very knowledgeable about materials, origins of the materials, the different types of materials, etc. What,
0: what I'm talking specifically about is how, whereas Peter got a know from potential partners, How have you dealt with those same situations, those commercial situations? Have you had any no's that you've had to uh, deal with? Like, no, we're not interested in working with you. How have you coped with them saying no?
1: Uh, Can you repeat? I'm not sure that I'm getting the question.
0: So when you were trying to commercialize the product, I assume that you would have had some companies that say no, and you had to find a different way to keep progressing. In your mind, when somebody says no to you, how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, I try to understand uh, why are they saying no, and uh, is it too early for them? Because I think uh, what we were doing last year, we were pitching to big corporations, and uh, with every no, you learn something. Like why is it not? Why why is it no for them? Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you still need to develop to convince them? What are they looking for? Uh, How is the environment changing? Because like with regulations, with uh, i don't know shifting consumer behavior etc like especially in the packaging it's and speaking about single use plastics things are very dynamically changing so uh yeah i mean uh, you're studying building puzzles like small pieces out of the whole puzzle and uh with every showing up you you know how how to better um position yourself and how to propose your yeah, you show your value proposition more clearly, more developed, more tested. Yeah. So every no, is uh, it gives you a lot of uh, insights about what is your exactly what you're doing and what you should be doing.
0: So it seems like a, a no is a reason for you to learn, whereas for Peter, it probably was a reason to pause and stop. Would that be correct, Peter, in, in how you took a no uh, when you were on your own? It was like, okay, they're saying no, that means no. And I have to do something else.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, a very clear answer. (laughs)
3: Uh, Yeah.
2: uh, I didn't understand that. The question is uh, for me, but, uh, yeah, actually, no, sometimes it's not so uh, hard, no. I mean, uh, sometimes you uh, realize that uh, it's not really no, but... uh, you just need to to do something more and the next year it will be it will be yes so so
0: before radina got involved how would you have taken no
2: aha uh-huh. okay yeah that's a good question actually my experience with no before that was uh, for not more than a half a year so uh, uh, it was uh, most of the nos were part of the same bunch of, of nos so uh, I didn't need to to deal so much with them. So one of the reasons I decided to switch uh, the direction was to find
0: a way to escape from these no's. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting set of words that you both use. For you, Peter, you know, I want to escape from the no's. From Rudina's perspective as well, okay, these no's, these are lessons for me. And, I, and I, the reason I want to draw that out is not because any way is better than the other. You clearly have two different skill sets. Because I, I don't think Redena could have invented the product, but Peter, you probably couldn't have turned it into money in, in the same speed that Redena. So you're really complementary, but very, very different. And I think for the entrepreneurs that are listening, it was really useful to note that you really need both those skill sets. You really need to have either you do it yourself or have a co-founder, have partners that you can turn to that can learn from all the failures and the no's and, and the, the setbacks and to energize forward just despite all the no's uh, and in fact you know from my perspective I'm an entrepreneur that that usually means to me I have to turn a no into a yes that's my my whole role in life is to turn a no into a yes because if I really want to be, do something I really believe in it I expect lots of no's and you know you've got a, a good combination of skills between you to expect the no's but then to turn them into learnings and lessons to get to the yeses so that's really helpful so what i want to do is kind of move on to your actual product and where it is now i'm going to let you describe it properly Radina because you'll probably do a better job than me or, or even Peter would do <laughs>
1: uh one minute pitch
0: <laughs> yes please
1: okay yeah uh as you've already introduced it uh first it's called the origami bottle so it's a uh, 750 milliliters of, uh, of a bottle that is very elegant and it folds like origami just by pressing on pressing it on three points. It becomes very compact, so it can fit into your pocket. And at the same time, you easily unfold it, and it's as solid as stable as a conventional glass or stainless steel bottle. So it can bear a lot of weight on top of it and this is uh, these are also the main characteristics of our technology so it's a lifestyle reusable water bottle that you can Mm. go uh, traveling with hiking or be with it in your daily commuting so it's for active people on the go that also have the reuse mindset and like to take care of the environment
0: so that you really have a in that description you really have a clear persona of this customer that you're focusing on they're active, they're on the go, they have a sustainability in their belief system. I think that's really, really interesting that you have a very clear persona of who you're aiming for. And I think the failures I see in in many other inventors is when they go too early to market, they haven't got that persona. It's just too broad. So I like the fact you've got that, that clarity of, of who you're focusing on. But tell me, what did it take to get to this clarity? Was it always, or, you know, did you start by saying, we're going to sell to... People who walk on two legs, yeah? <laughs> that happened in male and female that can earn money. You know, did you start with that group or did you always? Yeah,
3: actually, we,
1: we were struggling to to get this persona and to mm-hmm. know who is it really made for and what it is. Like, we knew that this is the bottle. So it's, we've been prototyping it since the accelerator. Uh, we found the design, etc. cetera. Uh, but who was it actually for? Uh yeah with uh, a lot of cons- real consumer testing mm-hmm. even with the 3d printed like very imperfect bottle that uh, that is not functional uh we were constantly asking questions trying to see like to find some patterns among people uh what do they care about what are they passionate about what is their real lifestyle what they say do they really mean it
3: mm-hmm.
1: so with a lot of uh, like real conversations with uh, all kinds of people at different events, with friends. You start uh, getting to these niches of these type of people because you have to know who are you engaging with. And even with the Kickstarter, we have to know who is this really for and I'm a big fan of Seth Godin,
3: yeah.
1: and uh, he's always um, listening to his podcast. Now I'm doing the marketing seminar, one of his workshops, and he's always asking, "What's it for? Who's it for? Why are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> and these are like so uh, fundamental questions that a lot of people, even with running business, they cannot reply these questions.
0: Yeah, I, I like Seth Seth's work. I'm I'm reading Purple Cow, and I read. Um free toy inside and I think you know what you really got to focus on making a great product and shout about the the greatness of your product rather than having these silly features that don't really add to the value and what I like about I mean it was instant the obvious when I saw your product how simple it is and how elegantly it's designed I mean you did a great job with that it's just it's a particular size 750 mil it's more than enough but it's not too big, so it, it's a really good shape. I think in the USA, it might be too small. They probably want a three liter version, you
3: know? <laughs>
0: but I think in Europe, it's perfect size. It's a good weight. it's like, when it's full, I guess it's around 800 grams, including the bottle, because there's 50 grams of the bottle itself. So it's a, it's a good weight. Oh,
1: 100 grams, yeah. The weight, be yeah. yeah. with stainless steel cap. The cap is heavier than the bottle, yeah
0: so that's really clever as well because you haven't gone for the cheapest material you've gone for something that should last premium yeah. yeah premium uh and i think let's just talk about the pricing here what price are you going to be selling this out at on kickstarter uh
1: yeah on kickstarter it will be around uh, 20 dollars mm-hmm. maybe a little bit less we'll see like we're still uh, waiting for our producers to confirm some specifics But, yeah, no more than 20 euros, which would be 30% of the retail
0: price. 30% off the retail price.
1: Yeah, so the retail price after Kickstarter will be around $25, $26.
0: Okay. Which is quite
1: competitive for bottles, like, in general. Bottles are becoming a social status symbol. (laughs) Reusable Mm -hmm. bottles.
0: Yeah, I mean, you guys are accelerating that social status because, I mean, the bottles my view on bottles is that they are getting very very expensive and we could be using plastic ones refillable ones but i mean you've got something different. the fact that it does something different Mm
3: -hmm.
0: makes it worthy of consideration i mean i have a a glass reusable bottle with a soft top my children have got metal ones and you know i see people with plastic ones and you've got them in lots of colors as well Which is quite. Yeah, we are
1: testing now the colors. (laughs) So, how many
0: colors will you end up with? Do you think as a product?
1: Yeah, for Kickstarter, we'll probably offer three colors. Yeah. And uh, when reaching certain goals, we can extend. uh, Yeah, we can have these stretch goals. uh, So we can add more colors depending on how much funding and bottles we sell. Yeah. uh, Three colors is okay to begin with.
0: So, can I talk to you about how you found? The process of turning an idea, a 3D printout, into a production model. What was that like for you, Petic? Maybe you can touch, talk about that and tell me, you know, how the process was for you.
2: Uh, you mean how, like, an abstract principle can be f- uh, physically
0: executed in a product? That's a, a much more sophisticated way of saying <laughs> the same thing. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you had a 3D printout, and then you had to go to find a manufacturer. Uh, and what was that process of finding a manufacturer? Where did you go to find a manufacturer firstly? Uh, yeah,
2: about manufacturing, we first uh, contacted several local manufacturers here in Bulgaria. Uh, they were actually very cooperative, but uh, it appeared that uh, it would be a little bit too expensive to start.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The whole process would be much slower. So Radina um, had the opportunity to go to China for some other reasons. So she met there several factories and uh, currently we
0: are working with uh, with one of them okay so, so yeah so Regina, how was your was that your first visit to china
1: actually it was my second one okay. when i was 17 years old we were on a family trip <laughs> for one month going around china uh, because uh, my parents are running their own uh, family business so they're importing goods from china and my mother Uh, I think she traveled for the first time in China in 1999 or something like this. So now it was the second time exactly I, I had to help her with the family business yeah and um uh, yeah we we went to china and i yeah before that me and peter uh researched a lot of factories from here we tried to get some recommendations from uh, other companies who have already worked with china because china is a, we know that this is the production factory of the world so you can easily get lost and uh especially with our product it's uh It's quite tricky, so you have to find a first uh, very reliable and uh, professional manufacturer that will also keep the um, all the yeah copyrights about your product. Uh, Of course, they can easily copy it once it's produced, but uh, I mean there are a lot of uh, technical details that cannot be copied straight away. Uh, and uh, Peter, he has been working on all of these design specifics, and yeah, hidden secret of how to produce this bottle. Because uh, also it was challenging for them. It was also challenging for the factories that we were speaking here in Bulgaria with. Uh, with, uh, but yeah, China cannot be compared to Europe or. At least from our experience, they're just uh, much faster, uh, much more uh, cooperative in, in their communication.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, not that it's easy to communicate with them. In our case, it's easy, uh, but uh, they just respond much faster. Yeah. Uh, if I have to compare it with, uh, with the factory that we were working, uh, speaking with uh, here in Bulgaria, it took, uh, took them always one month to reply to one email. Whereas with China, like in one week, we were already getting uh, a quotation and everything and already speaking about the production. Of course, uh, we have to say that a lot of the things that we've already discussed with the local factories here, we jumped there directly with these insights to the factory in China. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there there was also a R&D period of... Uh, really finding the right uh, production method
3: of, uh, of this bottle.
0: It feels to me it's, it's the same as it is in the UK. Our own country, the craftsmen in our own country, are really great at helping with the, the fine detail and the prototyping phase. You know, they want the detail work, but they're really, they really struggle with mass production. I mean, Trump has been criticizing China for taking the jobs from America, but they don't really take the jobs from America or anywhere else. They're just just a lot more willing and speedier and uh, enthusiastic about innovation. They are able to take our crazy ideas and say, yeah, we can kind of do that. I have a toy invention and I went through, I went to Guangdong and Guangzhou and I used Alibaba. So I went through the process. But for me, I went from Alibaba ordering my prototypes that I'd developed here in the UK to actually having a full production run. Um, And they were so enthusiastic, so quick, so straightforward, you know, of course we've got this worry about the prototype intellectual property and I'm having some fun with that right now, actually. They don't necessarily, other people don't necessarily respect our intellectual property in the country, although the manufacturers will. So what tips what what advice would you give to people thinking about going to China to have their product made after the virus is uh, is through? Of course.
1: Uh, yeah, I think you have to be also very specific, especially if you're creating something new mm-hmm. as a product with uh, because in our case it's a new design, a new product like with a new design, with a new material that haven't been used for for this application. So there are a lot of uh, unknowns. There were a lot of unknowns in the beginning. And if we had gone in the very beginning with our 3D printed prototype, Mm -hmm. because I mean, Peter can speak a lot about the tips and tricks in prototyping and 3D printing, because uh, it's a totally different process that you go through. And at some point from this 3D prototype, you have to think about the industrial production of this product, which is totally different technologies. You have to make some changes uh, that doesn't look like they're made when you compare the two products, but actually they're quite specific. Uh, So when you go to China, I mean, in our case, we had to be very specific and also we are still contributing with a lot of uh, ideas about the production that actually they were struggling with.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, I mean, they're very cooperative, but sometimes you have to give them the solution and they, then they can make it. Uh, but, yeah, learn and also they want to make business. They want to help you. Uh, they want to to stay with customers because even though we are a small company, like we are a startup, we cannot guarantee like the very big quantities in the beginning. But yeah. uh, they, they they take every customer as a precious one because there is also high competition if you think about China for new customers. So and uh, it's always good to meet them in person, I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is also making the first contact in person and maybe rec- like we'll see with our production now, but maybe visiting them once per year. As mm-hmm. far as I know, this is like the normal thing. So you have to build the relationship. I mean, you're reliable on them and of course their business is reliable on you. So yeah, we really respect each other and uh, we listen to them. They listen to us. I think we were also kind of lucky to, to find them.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that, that point about the relationship is everybody I know who's worked in China successfully, the relationship is the key point. Whereas in I think in, in the Netherlands, the contract and trust is there. In the USA, it's black and white, we're going to do it or we do not. Whereas China, it's all about the relationship. You just got to invest in the relationship and they'll pull out the stops. But I think one thing that's really interesting about your process for me is the fact that you have Gone all the way to production ready before you go into Kickstarter. I, I've been following Kickstarter and I've bought things on Kickstarter for a, for a few years, not a lot, but enough. And their products go on there with a 3D printout of this amazing thing, and then they get stuck because they are. Then they go to a manufacturer, and then they turn out. You know that they can't make it that way. I mean, I invested in um, Tico 3D printer for $99. I, I paid more than that, paid $150, but there's no way they did just didn't go enough into their production. So, Peter, what have you done to actually ensure that your product can be made? And actually, why did you go to that level of detail? And you Because you could have gone to Kickstarter a bit earlier.
2: Uh, yeah, it's uh, in our case, it's not so easy to, to go to Kickstarter with just a 3D printed uh, prototype because... Um, yeah the product is very specific it's um, the material must be very uh, tough and very reliable and uh, with 3d printing it's not so easy to to achieve such a very uh, good looking and well working uh, prototype uh, we succeeded to to make a good working prototype and uh, sometimes people that are very into 3d printing are amazed how we could uh, make such a good uh, 3d printed prototype but it was not enough for uh shooting a video and and so on and also <clears throat> there are also many other challenges not not just the the injection molding of the the bottle in its shape but also the uh, the finishing of the bottle because uh, you have to weld the some uh, parts of the bottle after the, the injection. So there are many uh, things that you, you must be sure before that. Even the, the Chinese manufacturer that we had to risk a lot because they told us, okay, we are not sure it will gonna work. Uh, so we had to, to risk. We paid the whole test mode uh just uh, to be sure that it it can be produced, so uh, you cannot just make a crowdfunding campaign and after that realize that uh, it's not going to be
0: feasible so yeah so what what was it in your in your thought process that told you maybe I should just do some do the pre-production uh, version i I did the same I paid I think I spent like fifteen hundred pounds for a very small handful of my beads, my toys, because I wanted a pre-production version because I, I thought if, if I go to Kickstarter and it doesn't work, then I'm going to I'm gonna get hung. You know, people are going to hate me. And I, I just didn't want to do that. But that was my thinking because I had a children's toy. I didn't want to upset the children. What was it in you that said to you, I, I, I just w- I would rather take a bit more thought and just hold back a little bit. Uh, and take a small risk rather than a bigger risk later on
2: yeah in uh, in our case uh, yeah it's uh, you cannot it's not just about uh, the feasibility. Uh, sometimes you can think, okay, I'll do my best after the campaign and I'll make it, but uh, it's also about the price because you you must know the the price of of the production. Because sometimes it's feasible, but it can cost like three or four times more than you expected. So it's also very important to be sure that it's very feasible. Yeah, and and we know other we have friends that also had uh, successful crowdfunding campaigns, and um, they they told us never make a Kickstarter campaign if you are not sh- completely sure you can produce the, the
3: product. So,
0: When I coach uh, uh, entrepreneurs, I always try and look at where the risk points are. And for me, the risk points are this ex- false expectation that everything's going to work out right. And what I like to do is challenge every step of the process. And where there's a hope and there's expectation and there's you know desire, that's when you know there's a danger point. And I like what that you've done is you've actually taken some of those hopes and desires, and you realised that they're hopes. And you said, "No, I want to break that down and and maybe invest a little bit of money here and check that something's going to work before you go ahead." Uh, so so now you guys have an almost ready production model. So, you know, how ready are you for production? Uh, what have you got left to do, I mean, just in broad terms?
1: Yeah, we, we are getting uh, the very functional samples in a few weeks uh, with, uh, I mean, the main body of the bottle with the cap and the thread, uh, because now we have just the main body injection molded, mm-hmm. uh, but we want to have a functional bottle. Uh, to start um, yeah, the production of the video and all of the visual uh, things about the campaign itself. So, uh, yeah, now we are working on the script of the video, uh, on the brand, on the visual identity, uh, yeah, all of the content for the Kickstarter while also running a pre-launch uh, campaign. So we are collecting emails at mm-hmm. bottle.hyper.com Slash where people uh, can leave their emails so we know that we have to do a lot of homework before launching so that we can uh, have a very successful launch and also uh, finish of the Kickstarter <laughs> also said voting, I'm quoting he says that Kickstarter is not a Kickstarter it's a kick finisher yeah so and actually this is what uh, what we've done so we've we've been working on the product we've been working on the customer we were working on uh be like on our position that we know that this is the right thing at this right moment to do. So we now are completely focused on the launch of this bottle. Uh, we are working on the collection of emails and uh, raising awareness and uh, hyping the whole product launch. And this is all of these ingredients are necessary if you want to make a really successful Kickstarter. I hope that we will do. I mean, uh, we we are both very uh, yeah committed now to that. And we once again split roles very well, because uh, I'm good in uh, marketing and brand development. Peter is very also technical on uh, on website development. so now he's also following all of these metrics on social media and like mm-hmm. looking at contact database management, all of these techy things, like he's very persistent, also he's in IPR. and patents, etc, so trademarks, etc uh so all these things are really important for a good kickstarter
0: i believe kickstarter is really it's an excuse for people to it's like the platform where people actually buy and i think too many people assume kickstart is the shop that you will sell in and you know you you see projects go on there hoping that they will sell to the kickstarter audience but you really need to bring your crowd in
1: before building a community yeah like we're really like also like it's selling the bottle but building a community around it that will bring this technology to life and will open other doors because the bottle is the entry level to the packaging and we want to Make sure that people also understand that that basically by buying this bottle, they're supporting our bigger mission that we want to replace more single-use packaging with smarter and compact, saving uh, collapsible packaging that you can't even imagine at this stage, but uh, this is what we're aiming for, uh, and that's why we want to start with the crowd and uh, to give people really a weapon, <laughs> green weapon that uh, that is uh, very durable, reliable, and all these things. Yeah, we've. Been that we're doing with the pre-production is also like uh, making sure that what we promise is what we can deliver because it is everything at this point.
0: Yeah I think trust is so important in in trying to build a brand and you know especially when you're mission-driven entrepreneurs like you are I mean that's really Simon Sinek's kind of uh, hypothesis and theory you know start with why uh, and it's really about that mission and the purpose and, and then you can build a crowd and you can bring everybody in. But you're right. if you, You've you got to make sure you have... Peter does his job properly so that after they've purchased, they come back to you for the next stage. Now, if we look at where we are right now, I was thinking it would be great to kind of ignore COVID-19 and look at the real world, look at world beyond that. But COVID-19 is moving so fast. Its impact is so broad. It's so deep. How, what are your plans around how you cope with this are you going to carry on regardless and hope that people are going to be bored at home and going to buy or are you going to just delay a little bit longer and just use that time to build them more of a community and just wait and see what happens
3: yeah
0: i'm going to ask that to peter first okay. and then i'll come back to you Adina you know, for your your perspective uh, you mean
2: the the postpone the uh, the campaign or uh... yeah uh, no, for, for the moment, we are not uh, planning to, to postpone the campaign. It, the, the Chinese manufacturer is, is working, so we don't need to, from technical part and perspective, we don't need to, to postpone anything. And also, people nowadays, they're staying at home, so uh, they're browsing the internet a lot and they're looking also for such uh, interesting projects, so uh, it's
0: not needed, I think. Yeah. Okay, and what's Radina's view on that? question.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, we've had a small delay from China, but uh, as we all know, like they're handling the situation really well. So now they're uh, more or less uh, going back to, to the ordinary work and like trying to catch up. So production wise, I think we're fine and uh, we'll manage to, I hope, uh, to receive the functional samples. Uh, It's more critical on uh, what's happening in Europe because, like, as we know, the virus is now spreading here. Uh, We just uh, had for one week, uh, like, crazy situation in a whole national level. Mm -hmm. And everybody's uh, recommended to stay at home and work from home. Uh, we are also doing that, but we are taking the time to, to really nail down uh, the whole uh, Kickstarter planning. Yeah. So far, uh, it's okay. I hope that in two, three weeks time, okay, let's say three weeks time for uh, that, yeah, we, we would be able to go out and to shoot the video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we will definitely avoid having uh, people a lot of people in scenes etc so this will be like interesting because we were planning to have more people involved but i'm sure that we'll find a creative uh, way to still do the video uh and yeah we're planning the launch by mid of may or uh, june so mm-hmm. i hope that uh yeah the whole europe and the u.s will be in a better state then uh, all of the governments are taking all the necessary precautions and uh, things and people are getting more and more aware about the impact of this virus so uh yeah i mean uh, for we're kind of in a good state at the moment
0: i like the answer as it ended i'm, I'm glad because i was thinking these guys are going to launch really soon because i was thinking you're talking about being ready yourself and the manufacturer being ready so that's different from your customer being ready so i think if you're a coaching client i i would say to you have a think about the mindset of that persona that we talked about at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Just because you're ready, what is your customer going through in May, June? They would have gone through this horrible lockdown period where they work from home and you know they can't socialize and connect. And they are really focusing on getting back to reality. So you're almost going to be a solution for them. You know, when mm-hmm. to get back to reality. So I I would be thinking about doing stuff soon when things start to come back to reality, teasing your customers with this idea that, you know, the freedom of being able to walk, the hike and to commute. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it wonderful? And if only there was a way we could have something that would help us do that more efficiently and effectively and to help us with that mission. But I I wouldn't want to launch until the customer is ready to actually be free and allow them to start thinking about things to buy to enable that to happen, because when you launch, that's it. You can't stop. You you, you press that red button. That's it. You're in the campaign. You can't you can't stop it. Well, you can stop it, but you can't delay it. So yeah. I, I would just I would fo- use this time to get ready, get really ready. You know, get strongly ready. I mean, most corporates are still going to be around for working if they even if they're working from home. So you could do like a little pre-video and share that with some of these bigger customers, like the retail buyers of the online marketplaces, and tease them with it and get them excited about it and get the the press ready because they're still looking for stories, but you know, and use the time to build your crowd, you know, the industrial crowd, the the commercial crowd, before you actually go and press play, because you need to have those interviews with those press. Because they're the ones that are going to multiply your message and make it louder and broader. So I would just think of, just think cautiously about what else you can do to get the message amplified. And now is a great time to start thinking about that. You know, so what, you delay a month. If it's a delay for a month, but it means you have a better campaign, then it's worth it. Because you really need to have that, that wow in your campaign. You need to quickly get 20, 30% within the first few days of your campaign. because that's when the Kickstarter crowd comes in and they see, you know, the, the progress. Or so,
3: fully funded.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The sooner you can get to fully funded, you know, that's, you know, and, and how you set that target. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I can speak very openly about what Kickstarter is and how people use it. People use it. Okay. One to pre fund their technology because they actually need it, but sometimes they use it as marketing launch to actually get, excitement and interest in their product i mean when i did mine i got a half half a million dollar licensing deal offer in the first couple of days it didn't work out unfortunately but it wow it was great it was a great conversation starter for us um so i i really like the cautious the careful approach i mean for me if i could give you a stamp of approval i definitely would because you're definitely doing all those amazing things for me So if I saw your project, I think these guys I can trust because they're actually going to deliver. Because they've got something that actually works rather than a simple 3D prototype, and they haven't even found a manufacturer. They haven't, you know, gone through the manufacturing process. So I'm really pleased with that. So I just want to give the last words to you. So just give us the, you know, Peter. You know, if you were to recommend this bottle to your customer, how would you recommend it?
3: (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, don't buy this bottle like really I'm so
0: <laughs> no no I can't I'm really let me just describe what I'm seeing I'm seeing Peter's face he's taking a big deep breath he's kind of I think he's, I can see his brain working yeah and all of his kind of
2: yeah just uh, just don't like this kind of uh, for me it's like more artificial pitching uh, yes if, it is uh, yes uh, yeah I prefer to stay more, uh, how to say, on the on the creative part of the of the project, not to to try to be like a salesperson, you know. And uh, yes, yeah, some people believe that uh, everyone is selling everything, but uh, for me it's not like that. I mean, so yeah, it's better Adina to. To present it uh, in more uh, sense way, you know.
0: So can I summarize that? I mean, what have we got here? We've got an inventor who spent like seven years of his life thinking about this product, and is still really cautious about it. Uh, and you know, he's basically saying, "Let the actions I've taken over the past few years demonstrate that this is worthy of your attention." Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So now let me let me pass you on to the sales pitch. No, already
3: finished
0: it. <laughs> so, in closing, you know, tell me why why this bottle is the bottle that we need to get. And by the way, I'm not getting paid for this. I might get a sample or two or more if they if they really like <laughs> of the product. But I'm not getting any paid any money. I'm not asked for any money. I, I do this because it's a really nice product. I, I met Rudina. I was impressed with what she was doing, and I thought it was great. So you know, and I really wanted to talk to somebody about Kickstarter in COVID-19. So that's your, your stage, Rodina.
1: <laughs> Thank you. And your daughter. She'll <laughs> get one.
0: Yeah. There's two of us in this.
1: Yeah. Like, okay. Um, so our origami bottle is, a yeah, a very stylish, elegant, functional, practical, and innovative bottle that has a bigger mission. And, uh, yeah, we need people that really share our mindset and uh, take care of the environment and prefer to reuse instead of single use. So we're sure uh, they'll like what we've developed and we would make sure that we will never let them down and uh, we'll step on them to, and together with them, we'll leverage this momentum and bring the technology to, to the packaging and have a bigger impact. Fantastic. So, so we are giving you this uh, messenger of our change.
0: I really appreciate that. So how do we find out about you after this podcast? Um, what's the website address? Is there a Twitter? Is there a social media?
1: You can Google the Origami Bottle Hyperfold. Uh, the domain of the website is bottle. Then you have hyper slash com. Or you can just find us on social media. I think it will be easier: Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Hyperfold.
0: Hyperfold. Okay, I will put in a link uh, in this description to the podcast as well. Um, Thank you. And I and I wish you every success, and wish you, uh, you know, that it achieves everything you hope. And it's the beginning of the next stage of your career. So, if you've enjoyed the, the podcast, share it with your friends. If you've learned something from it. Let us know. And if there's anything more you want to hear about, share it with us. This has been the Hyperfold, the Origami Hyperfold Bottle with Peter and Redina coming from Sofia in Bulgaria and Asim Ishak from the Entrepreneurs Trust. Thank you very, very much. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Please let me know what you think through the feedback options. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. Until next time, this is Asim Ishak from the Entrepreneurs Trust podcast. Goodbye, take care
3: and stay really, really well.